0: Hello. What's up? My name is Rich Ryan. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast. The next few weeks, we are going to try something out with a reoccurring guest. That guest's name is Josh Redinger. He was on an episode last week. He'll be one on, on one next week and for the foreseeable future as we are going to kick out an extra episode every single week. So during these special episodes, we are going to take on one listener question per week so we can do a deep dive and provide as much value to you guys as possible. Then we are going to tackle a topic that we want to talk about that because that's just how we're going to do things. So this week, what we talk about is how you can get over a performance plateau in OCR. We're going to talk about carbohydrate timing how and when you should use it and really what that means and how to put it in terms of a practical sense. And also we touch on how to get faster for a 5K. So um, not patting myself on the back here, but this was awesome. I really liked it. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and before you do enjoy it, please rate and review, subscribe so you can get all the freshest episodes on Tuesdays and now Fridays. And also, I just want to let you guys know, if you're out there and running, we are still Coaching. So, if you want to make the most of this downtime with no races to invest in yourself to become a better athlete, we can have you covered on that. So, Josh and I, we are taking on a few athletes right now. So, if you use a link in the show notes, you can get connected to the coaches page and that's where you can learn more. All right. So, here's my guy Josh, my friend.
1: What's up? Good morning. The sun, energy.
0: Yeah, man. Lots, lots of things are up. It's a beautiful day. Are you sitting outside? I am. I am
1: sitting on, on the porch. It is it is officially feeling like spring? Flowers are in the distance. Birds are chirping. I can kind of hear them through the headphones.
0: Josh, what's what what is what are three foods that you would eat if you only had to eat three foods for the rest of your life?
1: Steak. Chicken liver. Because it's not because it tastes good, but because it's super healthy. And uh dark chocolate, 90% dark chocolate.
0: Nice. Really? You like or the bitter like, chocolate?
1: Yeah. Well, yo, it's one of those things where like you taste it and it's bitter and nasty for like the first couple weeks and then you adapt. Now 85% tastes sweet. My sweet tooth it's non-existent, almost.
0: That's like that's it's like the same with like coffee. It's like milk chocolate taste better than dark chocolate like i don't think there's any way around it It just is better it's sweeter it's 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 nice but like but but like it's like coffee with cream like if you taste it just one off for the first time the creamer one's gonna be better but like there's more nuance in like a black coffee and like you just have to get used to it i feel like that's the same thing for dark chocolate but i'm just not there milk chocolate just fucking kicks dark chocolate's ass (laughs) i think
1: you have a point there and maybe that's where my balance is i i just bastardize my coffee with
0: loads of cream i love cream mm. <laughs> you're a black coffee drinker oh yeah i'm like a big time my brother just got me like the trade uh there's like a coffee so trade like monthly sub- i know it's like a monthly subscription I, i'm just getting a uh he got me a little pour over thing too so i'm gonna start doing my own little pour over coffees the 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 time that it takes to do that is intensive but i think it's going to be it's going to make it's going to open up my world to new coffees. It's like drinking like wine. It's like, there's so much, there is just like nuance and like there's like fruit and like maltiness. It's just, it's a treat, Josh.
1: I'm like, I'm like picturing you in a commercial. You're like sipping your coffee, holding it with both hands, like smelling it and sipping it at the same time. And like, you close your eyes. You're like, just enjoying all the pleasures and notes of the coffee.
0: If I was sitting like where you are now, like in, in nature, just like looking out with like a crisp, like the crisp air, and with a good cup of coffee like i would be just the happiest like that's what i think about it's like, what's your what's your ideal life it's like that is the ideal life
1: mhm it's pretty good i i'm saving my third cup for later i already had two cups
0: yeah yeah i kind of have to tap out around um noon i, th- I think that's 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 where i Uh, have to draw the line um but yeah man i'm glad you're back we're gonna try to kind of keep this thing rolling and 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 do some reoccurring episodes where we're just gonna vibe and and just hit it i was thinking you and i we don't have that much in common
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we do we're both handsome we're both fast you're faster than me most of the time i think are we like flat paths as far as on flat paths yeah i was gonna say in races we're like we're always back and forth so we think you're up on me
0: Yeah, you kicked my butt last year in, the, in I think you beat me three times out of the four times we raced. And the only time that I beat you was in a stadium where it's like flat and no woods and or and. Roots I, or I enjoyed like that.
1: I, I enjoyed watching you chase down Isaiah.
0: That was exciting for me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that's it my was. Boy. That's my boy. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting one of those Rams. <clears throat> do you think that's a, a worthwhile piece of equipment? You, you know what? I think that they're fun. At the you know, it's like it's a heavy
1: foam roller, right? There's a bunch of stuff you can do around it uh it's a great door stopper you know it's heavy That's i feel like it's multiple multiple uses out of it. it's a cannon you know you can rig something there, up and it into a cannon but yeah, yeah there's, there's been there's a lot a of times where, where yeah
0: there's been a lot of times where i like w- wanted to keep the door open and all i had was a regular foam roller and i was like damn uh, if this thing was like 55 pounds heavier no good That would be i'd be perfect <laughs> um
1: yeah there's something about that man i've i've seen there's a like i'm working with some some guys that are uh, like they've done CrossFit, they really enjoy the stadiums, and they might be really strong at regular power cleans or uh, dumbbell like power snatches. But when it comes to the Ram, there's something about it that is is far more difficult and far more taxing. And the thing is, is like if if you don't get a good straddle on it because of how wide it is, it's like how far it is in front of you out at your toes. You just have like a poor leverage point to to power it mm-hmm. up overhead. So I think that if you if yeah if you have difficulty with it, it's definitely good to practice that specifically because it is different right. than a regular uh yeah power well power snatch is more of
0: what it is I do think it's a good tool for race specificity and yeah like you said like you you can't get the same mechanical advantage on a ram like you could on a barbell just simply because your feet can't go under it on like a barbell or on a dumbbell even if you're set wide with two dumbbells you can still put your feet directly in and keep that path um directly up your body so that when it gets to your hips you can jump up and it will go up that ram's just going to be out in front of you so like it really yeah. does change it so it can't really be a snatch or a clean you kind of have to either really throw yourself back pull it back into you or throw yourself at it but mm-hmm. typically people are just going to use their arms because down front's not that heavy you know
1: that's the thing is so, like it's the heavy dude, it's the heaviest 55 pounds i've ever lifted like oh it's just 55 pounds but yeah it's just there's something about the shape they did a good job at making it like awkward enough
0: right and when i first came when i first thought about it i was like this is just worthless i was like there's no way that this can be like useful but when you think about it, like for for that for the race specific like it's going to be in decafit in two of the different zones doing like back lunges with with uh, the ram which is kind of awkward so you can't really put it across your back because the the shape is funny and um you can also use it for carries it might like be a good simulation for like a log carry Mm -hmm. um and it just does seem like or ver- versatile in that, in that respect, as much as I saw it, I was like, ah, this is just to do Ram burpees might be a good little piece. I know you probably store it easier than like a barbell. So it might be a nice little piece to have at home.
1: Yeah. Or if you want to like, you know, it's like an intro to a, uh, a log flip, you know, or like if you have kids, mm. it's great. It's a full size log flip for them. So. <laughs> right. It's, it's been open-minded
0: it's that many uses. Yeah. You do, fi- do log with finger flips, like use your fingers and see if you can just, so for grip Ooh. strength, it could work too. That is a Maybe. dandy. That's a dandy idea. Yeah. <laughs> so every every time we jump on, I do want to pop on and really do a uh, dive into a listener question. And in my own podcasting listening uh, preferences, and basically this whole thing is just kind of how I like to listen to podcasts. And that's just I'm just doing that on this podcast. I like when there are listener questions, but I don't like when there's several. Like if there's like six or seven questions that people want to dive into. They, the, the person answering the question never has enough time to really dive into it. This is kind of like they are moving through the question so fast that they want to make sure they get to all of them. Um, so we're going to do one listener question and only one every week. What do you think? Choose wisely. <laughs> well, this week I have one from Adam Beach, Adam L. Beach on IG. His question was, what are some tips for somebody who is getting close to making their first elite podium? but needs something to get over the hump. Like what will we suggest for them to really take it to the next level? And uh, you and I, we both have made a lot of improvement in this sport, not just pat myself on the back or, or you, but there, there was a progression in both of our, um, like careers here in obstacle course racing. And ideally we're still making some progression and we're going to go even further, but Josh, when you think about that, when it, you were getting you know anywhere from you know, 10th to fifth, to and, and now you're consistently a, a podium finisher, like what are some things that you had done that you feel like had helped move you into that next realm? Yeah, that's definitely an important question. I mean, I think that something,
1: something that I have picked up along listening, probably mostly to podcasts, when I, I listen mostly to uh, successful people talk. And there was uh, it was kind of ubiquitous what they would say, which is like emulate success, the successful around you. So it's like looking at what is what the, the differentiation is between me and the others that are performing well or better than me. Mm. And uh, like for, for me, for example, it was mostly just running. I was able to go through obstacles a lot easier. I wasn't failing grip obstacles, but they were uh, crushing me in the running. So I was like, OK, work on the running. So looking around, seeing where the people are are making up time on you, and uh, and yeah, just working on that particular weakness, kind of one at a time, working through it and seeing how that works out for you in the next race. Meanwhile, you know, don't lose what you already had, but but yeah, look around you, see where people are making gains on you, and plain and simple, attack that.
0: Right. And it's kind of a balancing act. Like you said, like you had these strengths that put you in an advantage that already put you in a a good position to be a threat in the top 10, in the top five. And you don't want to lose that, right? Like you don't want all of a sudden not focus on, not be as strong and do the things that had really gotten to that point, downhill running, whatever it was. And I was like the same, like coming from the opposite where I came in and I was confident in my running. Like that was what I had. I was like, I'm going to run faster than everybody here. And this is a foot race. So I'm gonna be good. Doesn't matter. Like I just by my fitness alone. And I had a really rude awakening around my first race as just my first whole season with just the terrain and failing obstacles and just like not having enough experience to really figure out that I what I was doing wasn't gonna wasn't gonna take it to the next level and really fit understanding that this is a different sport. Whereas I was just looking at it as an endurance, as in a foot race. So I needed to kind of do the opposite. I needed to really break into specific training when it comes to obstacle course racing. So doing like broken things, like doing burpee runs, doing lunges, stopping in a tempo run and and breaking up my actual running. Cause when I set at a pace, I'm good there. I can just kind of ride that line for a long time. And the opportunities that you get to do that in obstacle course racing are very minimal, so I had to find that and really, um, really move what I wanted to do into what is going to be productive for my training. Um, so, did you and, notice? Like, were you
1: able to spot out those uh, those areas that where you needed to improve? Like, were you would you be in a race? Someone would say pass you on a carry or on like the monkey bars, and you were and you like you knew right then, or would you finish the race and be like, why like why didn't that work out for me?
0: at first it was obvious cause I was so slow on the obstacles. And if I missed him, then you're just screwed. And then it's like over and, or like, it's not, but like in my mind it was, I would miss an obstacle and be like, well, I need to get better at like Z wall. I would miss Z wall sometimes, you know, I'd miss Z wall, miss monkey bars, miss, miss twister, whatever it was. Um, so I was like, I obviously need to get better at grip, uh, grip, right. Flat out. Like let's, let's get better at that. Um, like the f- first race, this, this is not a great example because it's the first race that I actually won. It was in Virginia. And they had it, it wasn't Wintergreen, where it was a, a crazy mountainous rate course. This is the first year they put it at like this equestrian farm. So it was just rolling and really kind of flat. Like so um it was a runners course. It was me, this um uh Barrett Lahardy, who is a, a really good triathlete who was just new into the sport at the same time too, and Luke Bose. And I was running with Luke, and Barrett was out in front. And every time Luke and I would come up to anything and Luke has a really good climbing background and he's an endurance, an ultra endurance athlete. So he's not super fast, but he can get through these obstacles. And he would put like 20 meters on me in one obstacle. So like, yeah, it becomes really clear there. It's like, Oh, I like the, the grip stuff and not just failing the obstacle, but also getting through it proficiently is really going to be helpful. What about you? Was that the same deal? Like, would you be on the course and be like, Oh they're running faster than me <laughs> like i need to run faster
1: here <laughs> yeah definitely i was uh it wasn't uncommon for me to see people disappear i uh, go out of sight on uphills that was super apparent and also you know that's this is why i love strava segments because you can look at things after the fact and uh it's cool to go back and see okay they someone made two minutes on me on this uphill i made back up like a a minute and a half that on the downhill. And then they were like a little bit faster on the, on the carry. Cause apparently uphill running strength correlates pretty similarly to carry strength. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I found that interesting too. Cause I thought, Oh, you know, I'm i I'm like a bigger guy, uh, you know, a little more muscle. I thought well, I'd be better at carrying, but like you're still using the same muscles. And if you can propel your own body weight up a hill, well, you're going to be able to, I mean, you know, carry a little bit more weight. So this, their uphills and strength, like specifically was better. So yeah, when they would grab a bucket or a sandbag and head uphill, even though they were smaller, they were, they just had, they had that strength. So that, that was really important. Actually that right there. So like working on my carries, not thinking in my head, Oh, I'm strong. I make it up on carries. No, it's, it's, that's false. <laughs> you know, right. the, the data is there and I can clearly see that. And then uh, watching, I actually, I really enjoyed watching the recaps that Spartan does. There is a lot of value in that, man. Like watch, watch how they move. Watch how the, how the top guys are moving, how they dive into the barbed wire, how they roll out and get right back to the feet. And it's just in it's, I feel like it's easy. I mean, for me, it was to think that I was moving in and out of obstacles quickly, but plain and simply I wasn't. Cause again, I, I might come up to an obstacle and I'd play it safe where I say going up to the monkey bars not jumping on the box and jumping out a rung. I'd be like I stop, get a good grip and then start cruising. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. someone else who was 10 meters behind me made the jump, took the risk, got across the bars. So, okay, working on uh, like uh, like the skill and the the confidence in making that like jump catch and then moving. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. And so watching watching those videos has been super valuable and also, if anyone ever has the opportunity to, it's a little easier to do in sprints because they don't beat you up as much. But going out for what we call the fun laps, that mm. is that that's where I've seen some of the best value, especially when you go out with friends. Like I'll go out with like Tyler McCready or Josh Fiore and uh, typically. And Tyler's really good at obstacles, it blows me away. Mm. I mean, he when it comes to monkey bars or like hand switches, he is extremely nimble. He's very str- so much stronger than he looks. And uh and that's brought a lot of value to me as well. I see him moving. I'm thinking, man, like, okay, I got to up my game. He's moving stronger there. So even though I'm a faster runner, it's like there's more room to be made here. So going out for fun mm-hmm. laps, I mean, as long as you're being considerate and you're not kind of blocking obstacles from other people because it's typically it's an open wave at that point. But, uh, but, yeah, be considerate and you can take your time and be, uh, yeah, a little more intentional. and and play around a little bit more and experiment with different tactics on obstacles. That's really valuable.
0: That's a great tip because I think one of the biggest advantages people who have been doing the sport, and it's going to sound obvious Uh, Is just the experience that they have and and knowing what to do when they get out there, knowing what to do on monkey bars when they're wet, when they're dry, when they're early in a race, it's a late in a race. There's different ways to approach each and everything. And if you're talking about getting onto an elite podium, these are the things that you're going to have to figure out. It gets really down to the nitty gritty. It's not like if I just got faster, I'm, I'll get to the podium. Chances are there's going to be guys that that are as fast or faster than you already, you know, like you're not going to be the fastest guy out there. Chances are. Um, so it comes down to learning the, and having the experience to know what to do. And I like what you said about the transitions and, and like thinking you're, you're getting through them because it seems like there is only one speed to kind of do barbed wire, for example, or to do walls and, or, or even like a carry, like you get it and you have your carry speed, but there are different, like different ways to kind of push in and out of these obstacles and learning that and learning if you were doing them well, is really important so analyzing the data taking it from Strava when it's available or just like you said based on reflection like looking back it's like where what what did actually happen so I think that's a it could be a really valuable um process as well Is sitting down and like just asking yourself what did I learn about this race like where what could I do to be better like like what happened in the start what happened at the monkey bars like what happened at, at, at twister Every single time, just really recapping and be like, oh, okay, I'm a little bit when I got off Twister, it was a 10 foot further gap than it was when we got on. And I and I got through it, and that's and I don't really understand that will give you an idea that there are different speeds and there's different ways to approach different obstacles. Um, so I think that's right when it gets to getting to that next level, it's gonna take just like those little tweaks here and there and figuring out how you can really drive that home. And what what were some things that you did like you said running right? Like, how did you get better at it?
1: <laughs> One, I, uh, I started watching like emulate the successful right. Uh, so I started this sport in uh, in 2017, and I pretty much just started binge watching YouTube videos of like the best runners in the world, from like Hollywood Kipchoge to uh, to Killian Jornet, and just watching how they moved. Mm. You know, watching watching their legs and like their arms and just that kind of stuff, and then trying to trying to incorporate that into my runs. And at first it would feel kind of awkward, but then I'd find this middle ground where I'm moving similarly to how a faster person moves, but without, cause I'm not moving that fast. So I'm not going to move precisely. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not doing a casual so, run at a five thirty. Like mile.
0: a faster person. If the faster person <clears throat> was in slow motion, that's how I was. That's how I was looking.
1: It, yes. It was like that. But I, uh, <laughs> I watching videos and then just starting to study it, just starting to study it, like looking at uh, running books you know, Jack Daniels, the classic, uh, that was more on like tactics mm. and, uh, and, you know, uh, looking at people like you and, uh, and the other running coaches. So really just putting in time, it's going to take time one to be to grow an awareness of where you can grow. And like, that's mm. one of the cool things about having a coach because they can kind of help you point that out and get you moving in that direction a little bit quicker. But first of all, it's going to be awareness and then you've got to start acting on it and being patient super important you know you might mm-hmm. realize, oh I need to get better at this specific skill and maybe maybe it was a minor adjustment that will give you a huge result or maybe it's something that is gonna take a little longer to really fine tune to squeeze out those extra uh, seconds you know say out of a carry or something
0: and and once you make the small adjustments you're like all right I got my I worked a full training block on carries and you didn't get that much better it's like that that either you're you misinterpreted the data or you're it wasn't like you can or you can just close that that book right like okay like i have this covered what are these maybe what are the other things that i need now too so it might not be one thing it's a combination of learning and continuing to grow and from a coach's standpoint, that's that's even a part you need to be patient on as well because the coach needs to figure out how the individual works and what is going to move the needle for them. And you do need to get data coming back from people when it comes to the race results or the training uh, m- metrics and, and trying to figure out where to go. And making these little minor adjustments over and over and over really is what's going to help create a, a, whole, a full complete athlete. And, and being a complete athlete –
1: yeah, Like really said what's how, like, uh, like when you finish a race, kind of looking back at it, you know, doing like your after action report. Oh, how did I do here? How did I do here? That is, yeah, man, that is, uh, that's absolutely imperative. And that's why, like one of my favorite questions, uh, with athletes is what was when they go out for like a harder workout or something, it's like, okay, what was the limiting factor? Did you, mm. what kind of, what, what fatigued you, you know, did you get beat up or did you just get tired? Did it feel like cardio, cardiovascularly respiratory, you know, what, where were you having the most difficulty?
0: Right? And Was it, it mental? Then, Did you feel like you couldn't? Like, yeah, totally. And
1: that that has been. I've seen a lot of value in that. I like,
0: Especially and that's something that's where to
1: work. Yeah,
0: right. And it seems to do that. Like race debrief is <laughs> obvious. Like, oh, of course, I'll think about my race. But no, like sitting down and writing about it, and that's something that takes that you have to make into your into your routine. Like, it's not something that's just going to happen. And I promise that if you just think about it. Um, it won't be as valuable as if you sit down and write about it and and figure out where exactly you need to go next. And then having a plan to, to, to move that way and to push toward those, that, that next level. Um, because you do need to be a complete athlete at this level anymore. Like maybe you used to be able to get by on just being the toughest guy out there or being the fastest dude or just being the best at obstacles. But not anymore, man. Not any single race can you go to and just be able to to make mistakes and have holes and get on a podium. It's just not going to happen at the elite level.
1: Yeah, dude, it's it's wild. And you know, I uh, so at Greek Peak. I was really happy to get that in uh, back in March before you know a bunch of races got pushed back. So that guy gave mm. me some good uh, insight to where I need to go with the season. And it's like that I probably, that probably
0: that... spread the virus so hard. Dude, <laughs> I wonder how many oh, people, I wonder sure. how many people yeah, I, yeah. at Greek Peak have the coronavirus now that was like right when I was like <laughs> uh, anyway yeah. so you were there
1: yeah yeah and it, i mean it's a fun race you know it's a, it's a blast it's the start of the season seeing a bunch of friends and whatnot but i had uh i had gone out and and uh like someone failed the z wall uh jared newbie he failed z wall and then like i was leading it and a guys got kind of out of sight and i was like oh this is I'm feeling good. I'm going to win today. Awesome. And then, of course, like a quarter mile, half mile from the finish line, uh, I missed the spear. And I just was like awestruck. I thought, oh my gosh, did that really just happen? Went over and, and cranked out my burpees and just watched the guys come through. And I realized like, oh, I wasn't as far ahead as I thought you know mm. and so i ended that race with a smile on my face honestly but uh fire jump to prove it but but it gave me some good insight one that like the competition is stronger than than it used to be it's denser i think uh greek peak i think jack bauer put out a stat where he said it was the tightest first through fifth finish in sparring history right so like while i'm doing, doing my sprints right
0: Yep. Yep. I was doing my yeah. burpees
1: and I just watched them just cruise right on through, you know, they were all within like 30 seconds or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was just tanked after the burpees, but, uh, number one, yeah, I got to, in my after action report, thinking back about how the race went one, I thought, okay, competition's really tight. There's no room for slack really have to work hard. And two, I saw, I was actually glad Monica took a video of me doing uh, the spear throw. And I realized I rushed it for some reason it didn't feel huh. like i did but i did so that was just a, a reminder and uh do you do this do you go with, when you're like in a race do you have like a mantra or anything you repeat to yourself as you go or maybe maybe not a singular mantra but like what kind of self talk are you doing like going into an obstacle to remind you to do it well or something
0: yeah typically and it will be depending on what the obstacle is and you i definitely have a running mantra and it's usually something about um, belittling the effort being like, Oh, this is so easy. Like I feel awesome. There's no problem here. Um, and depending on where I am in the race, it might switch based on how much, uh, pep talk I need. And for the spear in particular, I do. I, I like to say it to myself before I throw it, that I already hit it. I'm like bullseye. Like I said, this is already on target as I'm, uh, coming back and throwing it. I've already convinced myself that I hit it even before it left my hands. I'm like, hit it, boom, and then so that's something I do. And it's when I'm doing, I don't think I've ever said that and missed. But you, all, you kind of forget to to say that sometimes. One time, I stepped on the rope. That was, it was going to hit. It was going straight, but I stepped on that stupid rope and it just dropped down. But yeah, if I'm able, if i if I slow things down, I'm able to kind of tell myself you're going to hit this. Um, then yeah, typically. That's Do good you typically talk. have That's some sort of mantra
1: talk. or anything? Yeah, depending on the on the race, I should have had that kind of talk when I was at a peak for the spirit throw. But yeah, like one of my better races in the stadium was after I just did a speed block, and uh, yes, yeah, was last, yes, yeah, was last year at City Field, and I remember saying to myself as I'm running through the bleachers, exhausted, even though I'm really tired, I'm like, you know how to run, you know how to run, and I could mm, just feel my stride nice. being crisp and smooth as I was moving the. Uh, Yeah, moving through those long, straight sections. Like, I know how to run fast. I know how to run fast. That actually really helped. And then this uh, Greek peak, after I kind of realized that I could move a lot faster in and out of obstacles, that was just like fast in, fast out, kind of going into all the obstacles. I just kept telling myself, like, get in fast, get out fast, make a gap, make a gap.
0: I love that. I love what you said about the know you – you know how to run fast because that's something – that you might not have been as confident in before. So now that you are able to tell yourself that it becomes much more real, you know, it's real in your, it's real in your mind. Yeah. Right. Like the reason you wouldn't run well, or you'd like miss an obstacle or screw something up. Not always. I mean, there's mistakes, especially in OCR, but, um, is that you don't believe you can do it. So if you're just telling yourself, then it just negates that almost. Um, cool. So, Just to kind of recap on things, there is, I would say, to make that jump, analyze that data, become a student of the sport, like dive in more than you think you need to, learn as much as you can, because there's going to be a lot there that you can do. And then once you analyze that data, become a student of the sport, like you said, like following the people who are doing it well and try to emulate that success and then figure out what it is because your story and my story, we come from opposite ends of the spectrum. Again, we have nothing in common. So when, except we're handsome, <laughs> except the handsome thing. And then, uh, once you figure that out, then you have to go after it and continue to close those gaps. Cause there's probably not one thing. Honestly, there's probably a bunch of things that you need to get better at before you get an elite podium. And, but it starts with one thing and it starts with the, the analysis and it starts with, um, learning about it. Yeah, yeah, that was well. Anything anything to add?
1: Yeah, don't. I was actually just thinking of uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I love what he has to say, which is like, be the hardest worker in the room. And that doesn't necessarily, mm. I mean, you know, he, got, he has his posts on IG where he's just like getting all jacked. You know, he's got like his veins popping out and whatnot. He's all covered in sweat. But like when I think of being the hardest worker in the room, yeah, it has to do with putting in the physical work. But yes, being a student of the sport, really looking at that data, paying attention to it, don't neglect it, don't, don't tell. I I'm guilty of this, you know. Oh, I think I'm good at this. Blah blah. blah. I'm and just ignoring like the carries, right? No, I look at the data. Finally, and I realize, nope, I was wrong. I am not mm-hmm. as good at that as I thought that I was. As so, you should,
0: as you thought you should be, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, kind of dropping the ego and uh, and working at the things that that you got to work at and being patient with it.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love the, the rock. I, I always think of his one quote, this is kind of a, a different thing. It's more about the work ethic thing, be the hardest work in the room. But oh, along those lines, it's easy to do the physical hard work. But like you said, like there's more to hard work than just doing a, a workout really hard. Anybody can do a workout really hard. Anybody can do it. But imagine like doing the right things, recovering well, that's hard work. Like thinking about the things that you need to to get better at, that's hard work. And that is all wrapped up. So you can work as hard as we do out on the path or on the mountains or mm-hmm. in the gym but if you're not doing all this other shit like it's not other people are other people are out working dude absolutely absolutely And i
1: think uh i think ryan Kempston's a good example of that the amount of time that he puts into things like mobility mm-hmm. you know that's something that a whole lot of us neglect me too i'm working on it i'm getting better but it's it's not sexy it doesn't really feel like work you're like oh i got other things to do and it's easy to just kind of like throw, throw that in the closet and forget about it but that that is the work that's part of the hard work
0: and chances are a dude like him like he's working hard on mobility that's not the only thing he's working hard at you know that's like way down the rung of what people think is important and he's working that hard on that part totally. so imagine what he's doing when he...
1: puzzle piece together yeah
0: hell yeah so imagine what he's doing when he's out running he's fucking mashing it um totally <laughs> yeah so work, work the hardest but anyway i like this one part that the rock says where he's like uh yet so someone asked him about like his success he's like no it's easy you just i just worked out six hours a day every day for (laughs) 20 years and that's all you got to (laughs) do dude man (laughs) patience yeah
1: that's that's uh (laughs) that is eloquently said by the rock dwayne johnson
0: when i was like in middle school i used to really i would try to do the the people's eyebrow were you a wrestling fan no dude i thought it was hilarious but i was totally about that people's eyebrow right (laughs) I yeah, I can only right. do it one time. I can, do it, I can only do it on, oh, on my that. left.
1: We, we do have this in common.
0: Is that your right side or your left side? That's your right, right.
1: side. My right side, but, looking, Opposite. At the camera, but looking at the camera, looking at my screen right now, it looks like it's on the same side.
0: Right. No matter what we think we have in common, we don't. We All right. Together, so, that was opposites. <laughs> That's true. Like the <laughs> half moon cookies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So another thing we wanted to talk about, so we wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about some things that are within your control still. It's a weird time, um, so it's hard to really kind of put a lot of practical uh, training in in terms of everybody's kind of in a different place. Their gyms are closed somewhere. They're not closed the other way. Some, Some places, parks are closed which would suck. Um so like there's a lot of different things in, in, in the works right now but we wanted to talk about some of the nutrition stuff and something that people can do no matter what kind of workout that they're doing uh to kind of help benefit them and 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 this is something that again I think we're going to have um a cool conversation about uh nutrition timing in, in particular carbohydrate timing. Um so when we talk about carb timing what we're talking about is literally just when you're eating the carbs and what kind of effect that's going to have on your performance, your recovery, and just like your, your mood in general. So Josh, when you talk about carb timing, I know you're in, you've done a lot of experimenting when it comes to nutrition. So how do you uh, approach your like carbohydrate timing for yourself? Or how do you uh, recommend others might as well?
1: Well, I'll tell you how I do it first. And that is it. (laughs) I'll, I'll lead up to that. It, it can take time to uh, go meals without carbohydrates, so uh, don't just go drop your, you know, your carbohydrate breakfast and lunch and dinner, you know, all right away or, like, dropping the keto or anything. So what I'm doing right now, since I've been uh, low-carbohydrate for a while, uh, low-carb, high-fat, mm-hmm. is uh, is I really don't eat breakfast, I just have coffee. And with cream because I'm not a nuanced man, and uh, right, and have then, some taste, savage. <laughs> maybe I'll put a little bit of that uh, uh, Canadian blood syrup in there, and uh, and, then, and then around lunchtime, I'm
0: ruining this coffee. God <laughs> damn
1: it! So good. If you put it in the blender, everything's all right. It's got foam. Uh, but come around lunchtime, depending on the workout of the day, I will either just have like uh, like some bread and meat or something. Or I will actually have, you know, maybe some rice or maybe like a, like a pancake, maybe something with a little, maybe a syrup, a Cliff Bar, some carbohydrate. And the reason I would have carbohydrates at that point in time is because I am about to go do a very glycolytic workout or a very long workout, which no doubt could use a little bit of glycogen to help support it. If I'm going to go out for an easy, maybe 30 minute run, 40 minute, even 60 minutes, or just do some, some lower end uh, cardio. I'm just gonna have steak. It's not glycolytic work. it doesn't require a lot. So there's no mm-hmm. need for me to introduce that to my body and what happens when uh, when I do that or when someone does that is their body is going to start to pull from fat stores rather than going for the easy glycogen. And uh, it's just another way of kind of getting better at utilizing your own fat, you know becoming more fat adapted, becoming more metabolically flexible. and then, I will usually, some days I just go totally ketosis, no, uh, no carbohydrates, but typically I will have some carbohydrates later in the day just to kind of ease the system, get a little more carbohydrates in there so, uh, so I will have a little extra energy because it's a fact, yeah, carbs do add energy, no doubt about it. And the higher the intensity, carbohydrates are going to help give you that extra zing. But uh, on a day, yeah, where there's a lot of work going on, definitely going to have some carbohydrates in. Now, for, for someone that would want to, like, try this out, I would definitely recommend just maybe keeping carbohydrates out of your, your breakfast, because what you're doing there, sorry, Rich, I know the banana and stuff. It's all it's all delicious, but you actually did a good run, so so that's acceptable. But when you when you do not have carbohydrates in the morning, you maintain that fat burning state because uh, you're not raising insulin, and it's just it's the way that your hormones work. And you you're just kind of continuing that fat adaptation, which is going to improve your body composition. It's going to improve your your insulin sensitivity, which means you're going to be able to utilize carbohydrates better when you do take them in. And so maybe you're somebody who's taking in 400 grams of carbohydrates a day. Maybe you have that spread over several meals, tried just adding it in maybe around between noon and, you know, six or seven or eight. And just in doing that, just in the fact that you have closed down that window of when you take in carbohydrates, that's going to make you more metabolically flexible because you're spending more time in a state where you don't have as much glucose flooding your bloodstream you have more fatty acids being utilized for energy
0: and the idea behind being metabolically flexible is that yes carbohydrates they they are are preferred the body's preferred source of energy like it just happens faster with the glycolytic work when you're running faster when you're running harder they're going to get carbs and that's going to go through your system faster so you're able to do higher intensity work um but fat stores are much more abundant and much more efficient, right? So that's why it's important to, and, and whereas your carbohydrate stores will run out essentially. So that's kind of the idea behind being metabolically flexible, right? Is that we want to have the option to kind of tap into either system depending on what we're doing as in, in, in training. So when oh. we talk about, so when you use that term, like that's kind of the idea, right? Like, oh, if I could use these fat stores that I have, I won't bonk for lack of better better word, right?
1: Yeah, in improving, yes. So, so if you're more metabolically flexible, if you're more fat adapted at at any given intensity, the uh, like the lower the intensity, the longer you'll be able to prolong a bonk. But at pretty much any given intensity, you will uh, preserve that glycogen store just a little bit longer. And you know what? Hey, even if you were able to preserve that, that glycogen store and that point to bonk, even like one or 2%, that's big. You know, that's big.
0: It could help, right? Totally. And when it, and and like what you said about kind of having almost like intermittent fasting only for just carbohydrates. Like you can get up and you can still have your your eggs, um, and bacon, whatever, but just kind of spare the the carbohydrates at that point, um, to to kind of again help with that insulin sensitivity. And I think that's a good good tip for just longevity. And it's also it's important and it's a valuable practice as far as what how your body responds to different food that you take in. So you'll see how your energy might shift or how your mood might shift. And you might just think it's because that's just what happens to you at that time of the day and not have it relate back to your food. So aside from just performance, like it's also just kind of helpful to see how cravings work, how, you, how your body goes through these uh, hormonal spikes based on what you're eating. Um, so I love that about that. And and when it comes to so, uh, the thing with carbohydrate timing for me, I do dose my carbohydrates throughout the day. I don't do too much of the, the, the fasted training and I, I will do fasted training in the morning. Like this morning we had talked about before we got on, like I woke up and did a run this morning and then ate carbs after I'm gonna do a run later on today. And for me, carbohydrate timing is much more about ro- the, the speed in which I replenish my glycogen stores as opposed to, um, worrying, like having like being metabolically flexible um because that ends up being like the number one thing that carbohydrate timing will help with even if you are going into something fasted and you have something later it's more about the speed in which things are um in which you recover as opposed to like the, the total amount so like you said if you so what do you think about when like a total number of carbohydrates will you just dose carbohydrates right after you run and then be good for the day or are you just are you worried about the total amount that you're taking in at all
1: i uh, so i'm uh, at this point i don't really need a lot of carbohydrates i can feel totally fine you know for weeks on end having being pretty much in, uh, in ketosis but i still do want the carbs for that little extra boost and yes, they, you know, they help with things like hydration and they can help with recovery in, mm-hmm. in times of higher intensity and volume, just like across the board. So right. as far as like optimizing the recovery and optimizing the performance, yeah, the carbs are important, but what I will do is I'll have them right after a workout with like some protein and, uh, and you know, so I can take in lots of protein at that point and that'll slow down the digestion and I'll just kind of get a slow trickle into my system, replenishing those glycogen stores and, uh, and, and pulling all those proteins in and helping to uh, yeah, replenish and repair. And the thing is, uh, you know, say, you know, may, uh, a, a little amount of carbohydrates for somebody might be 200 or 300 grams a day, like a little amount for me is uh, is like 50 grams. And a lot for me is, is 200 grams. Like there's not really days where I'm taking
0: in more than 200. And I would say that that's pretty low. That's really low for an endurance. Athlete.
1: Yeah, it's cons- it's considered pretty low. But it's just, uh, it's kind of through trial and error, that number is going to be totally different for everybody. And at this mm-hmm. point in time, I just don't, feel better taking more than that. Uh, so that's really, that's really the simple, the simple answer to that is kind of experimenting with it. See, not not like see how little, how low can you go? How low can you go? Um, especially if you're in um, amidst races. Uh, but right now, if you don't have any races or uh, coming up, it probably is a good time to try just maybe eliminating carbohydrates at breakfast. And you might feel the hunger. Your body's like, where are the carbs? And that's totally normal. Um, You know, drink some water, maybe uh, a little bit of salt to replenish electrolytes because carbohydrates kind mm. of fill that role. Uh, right. um, I like to do like lemon and water. I think that's pretty popular. And just in doing that, you will improve your metabolic flexibility as time goes by. Maybe it'll be a week. Maybe it'll uh, be two weeks. That feeling of hunger in the morning will diminish. And that's a good sign. That's a sign that you're becoming metabolically flexible. Uh, and the way it affects hormones, I mean... <sighs> i know i used to be i know a lot of people that when they get hungry they get hangry you know -hmm. just in becoming metabolically flexible which you can do through this carbohydrate timing is you will eliminate those hunger pangs and the the mood fluctuations that go along with it and another really important thing is if you're it might not just be mood some people's blood sugar drops dramatically you know and they get lightheaded and uh and physically they become not so good a shape so if you look at it from a number one a convenience standpoint I don't, oh i don't have to go get food right now i will be all right you know you don't have to worry about it but it's also it's a it's it's a survival mechanism so if you mm-hmm. think about how we're different from our ancestors getting they were pretty healthy back then uh there's a great uh, quote from mark Sisson who uh, runs the uh, primal blueprint which is live long drop dead and uh (laughs) what that quote is about or what that slogan is about is in the olden days it's shown that most people never died really from old illness they died from a uh, catastrophe like getting caught by an animal or crushed by a boulder or some crazy thing right Mm. but health-wise they were healthy up until the time that they they died so that's Mm. where this whole like ancestral health approach comes from So it's uh, for the sake of your life and your ability to operate throughout the day, it's very convenient to not have to have carbohydrates, to not have to have food. Uh, You you can go a little ways without it.
0: I agree, and there is a lot to be said as far as a practice when it comes to how this will help optimize your life. And this this is where there are two different camps at least that i in my brain of i don't know if there's actual camps there's camps out (laughs) literally in my head but yeah like chances are that the food cravings or the the crash that you have in the middle of the day is not productive to your life and you're probably not a professional athlete and your performance at work is probably more important than your performance in like races and, and such um so it's really valuable to know how your body responds and how, you, how your focus helps. And it's a really cool practice to have and, and experience to know what is craving for, versus what is hunger. And you'll, you'll find a lot of times you're craving food more than you're actually hungry for it. And doing things like fasting, uh, cutting carbs out will just kind of help keep you even. Because um, like you said, it is more of a survival mechanism. And that's kind of ketosis too. Once we run out of carbs completely, like, like ketones are like our body's last ditch efforts. Like, oh shit, we got to start like releasing yeah. these like it's like canned food, you know. It's like yeah. canned food we keep in our pantry. That's that's ketones. Just case catastrophe, we got these ketones that will help our, our brain keep moving if if glycogen is just off the table. Yeah. Well, actually, um,
1: I'm really glad that you said the word brain. <laughs> brain. I just thought of that a uh, little dicky song. <laughs> hey. So I. Uh, so yeah, when it comes to brain function, actually. Uh, that's another place you're going to actually see some benefit. Maybe not immediately. You'll feel a little bit cloudy and maybe feeling a little cranky. Uh, maybe right. a little bit of a headache. keto
0: flu or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, for, you know, fortunately, if you're doing car- uh, carbohydrate timing, you're still getting those carbs in. You probably won't feel that too bad. You just might get it in the morning while your body is still asking for the carbs that it used to get. But yeah. when you, uh, and this is something that I noticed when I got into longer distance running a few years ago which is the consistency of how your brain functions while you're amidst a, a competition or performance, a long run. That is super, uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. That's really a key part of performing. When you, when you're, cause when your head starts to go, cause that's your main energy source. What is your brain uses somewhere around 30% of your total energy store? So when it's like all
0: of it, yeah, yeah crazy. Glu- so
1: when glucose, it's a hog selfish. Well, so when, when, uh, when your glycogen stores starts to diminish, your brain is what ultimately tells your body to shut down right because it's a self-preservation method so in uh, right we think
0: like we like yeah like as far yeah. as we know
1: yeah, yeah yeah studies point that that very well could be what's happening there yeah it's um, a working theory yeah, yeah so in in putting off that glycogen depletion or just getting better at using utilizing ketones and maintaining uh, an energy supply to the brain you may uh, uh postpone the time to your body shutting down and you maintain mm-hmm. clarity in perfor- during performance. <laughs> a lot of value to that, eh? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah, especially in OCR when you make stupid mistakes like missing the spear when you're winning a race <laughs> by a bunch. <coughs> um, too many carbs that day, too many carbs but like, oh, uh, sure. But yeah, like, and that's something that is definitely more on the, the anecdotal side. And I can see how there is value in that and having that clarity and being able to have that the wherewithal um, and having those ketones help with the brain function so you don't get, get shut down. But as far as what, what, what science is pointing to in terms of like the, the kind of like the fasted training is that like the performance indicators aren't necessarily improving. Um, but there are markers that are improving like, um, spared carbohydrate or increased fat utilization. Um, but as of right now, it doesn't seem like there is any research that's showing that if you are fat adapted, you'll run faster for, uh, 5k or 10k or a mile or an hour, right?
1: Right, right.
0: so, so kind and of then, like a different it's a, right, it's
1: kind of a different way of going about doing things. You could, I would argue, it's like through things like uh, like carbohydrate timing, carbohydrate timing, or a lower carb, high fat uh, sort of eating tactic. You might not perform better per se, but your day, your well, no, number one, your blood markers, they might be a little bit better, which is great. You know mm-hmm. and you might have a little more consistency in your function throughout the day, both physically and mentally without such a reliance on carbohydrates. And I'm like, yo, if you like carbs and you have them readily available to and you just want to eat that all day, be my guest. but I can't stop raving about the convenience for mm-hmm. yeah of uh, of uh, being quote unquote fat adapted.
0: Right. And I agree. And that's kind of what I was saying with those two different camps, right? Like, are we here to perform better on the course for an hour and a half race? Or is it for to optimize your life, right? And these are two things that you need to work out at home on your own and and play with both of them. And when it comes to carbohydrate timing, for me, it's literally sp- spreading out my carbs throughout the day, which is less convenient. It takes a lot more time because I, I eat like six meals a day and I, and I'll make most of them are pre-planned like I I do the Tupperware situation. I got that and like measure all that shit out and it takes time, you know? Um, and, and kind of dosing the carbs around my meal and depending on what I have coming up tomorrow or wh- how hard the workout was today. Or if I'm doing two workouts in a day, that's where the carbohydrate timing comes in place and kind of stacking them around my workouts as opposed to, um, and then still eating. So I, I I am assured that my storage will be as much, as much as possible, come the next workout, um, and less worried about like the, the fat at- adaptation. Because right now, for me, I want my carbohydrates to help my performance, and I'll deal with the inconvenience of feeling like shit sometimes, <laughs> or or having to eat often, um, so that I'm not stuffing myself at, at certain points of the day. Um, and I was I was reading this one study that was pretty cool. The, the, like if you're like the sleep low method, I think is what they were calling it. Sleep low. Yeah. I've heard
1: heard like, like train, train low, sleep high. (laughs) That's altitude. Are you talking about something different?
0: Yes. So this would be, this would kind of be the opposite. It was, it's like training with carbohydrates, kind of like you do dosing yourself with carbohydrates around the workout, but not replenishing them and then going to not replenishing them as much. And then going into a workout the next morning for something easy. So like, it would be like, okay, I'm doing intervals today on the track. I'm going to dose carbohydrates until this workout. I'm going to finish. And then we're going to keep carbohydrates low until the following morning where we're going to do an easy run and an easy run. Ideally, it would be fasted and it would be more that fat adaptation for, uh, for that. So you're getting the benefit of hitting your long run, hitting your run hard and having carbohydrates for that. And also getting the fat adaptation on the, the back end the next morning. Um, so that you're in that fasted state and they just did it for a week and they found that the increase they did it on cycles, like 60 minute time trials, I believe. Um, and that the, the fasted group, the sleep low method did have better performance on just after a week of doing this, but they also lost body fat, (laughs) you know, they lost weight. Um, and when it comes to bike performance and power output, it's, you know, power to weight ratio. Um, yeah. So like that,
1: that, adapted just makes you shredded.
0: (laughs) And, and like, if you're, if you're, like the way I always look at it and the, the way that everything has kind of been pointed to so far is that it's still a matter of calories in calories out. If you want to lose weight, like, and chances are, if you're not dosing, if you're, if you're not eating carbohydrates after you work out, you're probably eating a lot less. And that was the problem with this study is that people were just out living their lives, eating whatever they were eating. So we had no idea to control what the calories they were taking in. Uh, so losing weight, is it because they were just going fat adapted or well, is it because that group yeah, that's wasn't eating that's important information. as much, and like, and that's just so hard about this shit right now is that we don't have complete controlled groups. No one's going to dedicate three months to eating exactly what it's like, and so it's hard to it's hard to really tell. So that's why it's important that there are people that are going to try and train the way you do and and the way I do, and that they do both, you know, and that they switch it up, and that they they see what's going to work for them and what they like. Um, yeah, that. I will touch yeah.
1: on like so the. Uh, even though we don't know the the calorie amount for that study, uh, the one thing I will say is that like when you eat carbohydrates, you you know like the hormone changes that occur when insulin goes up, it's like this master hormone and it shuts and changes the other hormones that are uh, ha- going on in the body. So like uh, HSL, LPL, hormone sensitive lipase, these things that mobilize fat. Or, or uh, like glucagon, these things. When you take in carbohydrates, you shut down these like fatty acid transporters, and mm-hmm. so you're kind of shutting down that fat burning. So just in the instance of like removing carbohydrates from breakfast, that's what I was saying is like you stay in that fat burning state where you're mobilizing more fat. So in uh, all the studies that I've seen have shown that like if you were to eat the same amount, you know, the same amount of calories, you would end up utilizing more of your own. Um,
0: uh, endogenous fat stores for, for energy for energy does that correlate to fat loss yes Th- they have mm-hmm. seen that i have to look at because i haven't seen that there as if it, when, when calories match i i was under the impression that there um that it wouldn't matter that the calories calories like your, your weight will maintain doesn't matter what you're burning for fuel um as far as how that pertains to the scale so we might have to circle back on that one on on later episodes indubitably yeah sounds good Well, cool, man. Anything else you want to add on uh, the carb timing side of things? As far
1: as carb timing goes, now let's go look at some uh, some good data and come back for round two.
0: For sure. Um, Yeah, man. Just to uh, kind of wrap things up, I'm just interested in what you got going on. What's something you've been working on this past week? What's something you've learned and, and kind of putting it into your own practice? Well
1: what have I learned this week other than life is awesome and all this peace isn't <laughs> too bad. Uh, actually something that I'm, I'm working on is uh, being more outward with, uh, with coaching and sharing, sharing tactics uh, with, uh, with all this like social distancing. It's I've seen so many people going online, like sharing their knowledge to help other people. And it's been really, pretty pretty selfless i mean it's cool it brings attention to them but at the same time they're giving a lot of value out into the world and i'm sure there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people on instagram that are thinking oh it's saturated everyone's doing this well you know what screw it put it out it's good it's good practice number one because like every time you teach something you relearn it as they say Mm -hmm. so it's uh it's kind of like a new world of uh of coaching and information sharing and just like social interaction that we're in right now. So <laughs> yeah, just kind of learning with the, with the wave that we're, that we're going through right now, whatever that means.
0: It's like impossible. It's it's almost futile to even consider what's going to happen with this and not just like the, the outbreak itself, but how it's going to change communication, how it's going to change the information that we uh, consume and how we consume it and how it's going to shift the mindset of the public as a whole, right? Like what may I've identified with people 60 days ago might not 60 days from now. Right. And where it had the same message may have came across crystal clear for the past, like 10 years, like in two months, it might be just something completely different that, that we don't even know. And, and, and who knows if all this, you know, a lot of altruistic people uh, kind of methods that are coming out there and people really sharing and, and caring and, and kind of coming together as a community. Like, what is that going to mean? To how we consume and how we process information. It's gonna be wild. <laughs> like to see what it. maybe it goes back to the same, maybe nothing happens. Thinking but that. I, yeah, I, I'm I, wondering if things will go like right back to the same, you know, maybe a year from now or something like that. But we'll see. I doubt it, man. And that's one thing I've been thinking about a lot. It's like what's like this is now the our normal. And if you're not progressing like this is what is normal now, like you're kind of just putting on the brakes. And so you kind of ha- you have to keep pushing forward. You can't just sit around and wait. So this new normal in how we operate, it won't just switch back because we're going to be different after this, after we change the way we behave or change the way we look at things.
1: Yeah, man. It's a time for innovation to figure out how to, how to deal, how to operate, how to get things done. Yeah. How to, how to move on with life now.
0: How to move on with life. But <laughs> well, we got it. Man. You know, even if that is just staying and in, staying inside for, for more, like how are we gonna how are we gonna be productive? How are we gonna be more fit people? How are we gonna be as fit as possible with this? How are we gonna keep our goals alive where things are completely different than what they were? You know, it's like we can't follow that same trajectory as we were on because it's not it doesn't exist anymore. So we need to really m- just shift and, and create our own Our own normal now, because that's that's where we're at. Yeah. Um. So, have you put anything in the practice? Like upon this reflection, the the learn have you uh like learning how what you've been put now, or what what anything had whatever anything you've seen, you've been doing anything for your training?
1: Well, what's really cool is I uh I've never done a like a live online. Uh, workout, like followed workouts. So mm. I did that the other day on Facebook. Just did a live feed. That was pretty cool. Uh, a bunch of people came in. My Wi-Fi wasn't super great, <laughs> so people came in like, oh, but it's not loading, and they, they dropped out. But that's that's still cool. Uh, it was fun, like you know, seeing uh, seeing names pop up, the people you know, like all right, they're working out on the other end with me right now. So that was fun to put that out there. And uh, yeah, making other videos, other uh, exercise videos. Hey, here's a, a leg workout. You know, that I'm gonna put out in a couple of days like here's a core routine or here's like some breathing exercise that you can do just things that i wasn't sharing as much in the past to a, a large audience i'm doing more now cool
0: good yeah, yeah now, now's the time because like you said like it could look saturated so people are going to see the same shit over and over and if you have a different message to to put out there and if you help one person man that's worth it you know
1: yeah well you're right that's cascading effect because they end up showing it to someone else and they show it to someone else and that's that's if you you can keep that in mind it's makes it makes it a lot easier to share it's a real effect yeah yeah totally what have you been working on
0: um so i ran a a 5k time trial last weekend and crushed it um it it went fairly well i was thinking back when the whole way (laughs) <laughs> I, I wish I yeah, set up a straight line I actually did it on a track because I was set up to run a race that got canceled that day on the 21st uh, and that day I had this time that I had in mind and I was like okay I'm gonna go after this and I, I sh- and my training is pointing to it so I should be able to accomplish this this goal and doing it on so doing it on a track would ensure I mean it's a little bit it's much more controlled um but chances of better to, of running faster so I can't say I went out after just to go after an effort. I wanted to run a time. Like I wanted to run fast because I thought like I could, and I wanted to get the feedback from my training to make sure everything went well. And my time when I finished was slower than I anticipated or than I anticipated, even like halfway, even with like a mile left, I was like, Oh cool. I'm right on this. I got this. And then like things didn't really, things didn't blow up, but things did drift. (laughs) And dude, in the last like thousand meters, because I was taking my splits for every 200 to make sure I was like somewhere in the in the realm, which is not, again nice about having a track. And then my brain stopped working. I was like, I forgot. Oh, you didn't have the a, ketones. You didn't have the ketones. Did, yeah. The ketones <laughs> were not there. And we were working way too hard for 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 fat to get it get involved. And then um I forgot how to use my watch. I was like, I don't remember the, the lap which one the lap one is. I I just gotta keep running. So when I I finished, I was, I was a bit slower than I had thought I was going to be. So my gut response was that I was like a little bummed, but looking back on it. So I ran, I ran 15, 17 solo, like on a track, which I'm, which I'm definitely happy with. Right. Like it's like a a great time. I think it's my second fastest time, third fastest time like ever. (laughs) Um, so I'm definitely happy about that. But, uh, what I learned is that I hadn't spent enough time in that, uh, like kind of lactic buffering zone. And most of my time had been spent more in the race specific zone. And when it comes to a race that is 15 to like 20, 25 minutes, you need to have that lactic buffering really kind of primed and ready. And I didn't, and I didn't realize I wasn't, cause I was spending time at race pace, still only running 800 meters, thousand meters, 1200 meters, where if I want to get a elicit a good lactic response at that pace, it would have needed to be much longer which is an interval, it's just like kind of too hard to do in training. Like doing like 12 minutes, like doing 10 minutes at 5K pace isn't a very good workout. Like that wouldn't really work. Um, So what I took away from that upon my reflection, like we talked about earlier, is that I need to spend more time in that zone by breaking it down, by running faster in my intervals and accumulating more over more volume of intervals. So it'd be like doing six times 1200 so that I get at least like a minute and a half in that lactic buffering zone that at like a sub-5K pace, right? So like the first minute and a half, two minutes, I'm not in that lactic buffering pace because it it just hasn't Mm -hmm. crept up yet. So you really need to get to that second, like that last minute of those intervals to really get that type of response so that your body can deal with it. So by doing six 1200s, I'll get like a minute and a half of... That time spread out through six intervals, so ultimately I can accumulate what it would feel like in that last six or seven minutes in a five k, um, and be able to kind of really push through when that comes. And I think that's going to be valuable when it comes to things like DecaFit, when it comes to things like High Rocks, when it comes to things like Stadium races that are going to be kind of like lactic takeover type of races. So like really kind of sitting in that and, and doing these shitty intervals that are super fast. What was your rest period like? That was it active or like standstill? It's three minute jog. So it's a a lot of recovery so so that you are um, able to get back there. Cause if it was shorter, you know, then you're kind of working back in that race and you're not going to be able to go as hard. Like if it was, if it was like two minutes, I wouldn't have been able to run as hard um, in in those type of intervals.
1: Yeah. I think that most of the stuff that I've seen, there's been, it's been pretty common that I'll see like three minutes is pretty much the maximal benefit you're going to get for
0: something three that minutes come, a, yeah in that in that zone so like you still need those two minutes to get there so really they say from three to five minutes
1: oh i meant three minutes yeah three minutes for the rest
0: oh like, like, like three yeah, minutes yeah.
1: rest is like like prime for allowing your body to like kind of buffer away all that all the debris and replenish mm-hmm. itself for the for the next interval
0: mm-hmm. yeah, like four yeah, minutes so you those, really get anymore after that yeah that, that that seems to make sense being like full, almost fully recovered at that point so yeah, I think I'm going to do that. And I thinking I'm going to kind of present myself with a little season where I'm going to do like maybe a mile, maybe two more 5Ks and kind of work up till that first weekend in May and then um, hit like, like kind of taper myself into a 5K and then take some downtime after that um, just as a way to kind of keep the season up and flowing and working on something really specific and just a way to experiment. So that's what I'm going to be working on. Building that speed, son. Building that speed,
1: dude. That's, that's it. I'm going to hop on that next. <laughs> My knees are still recovering from <laughs> from the, the the mountain shindig a couple weeks oh, ago. Yeah,
0: have you been able to train much this week?
1: You know what? I was uh, yes, I just haven't done a whole lot of running. I, I my, cut my volume down by fifty percent, so I just did like 23, 25 miles. Nice. Uh, yeah, this past week, because yeah, I I've never been a super high mileage runner, and I had, had been doing like like 40, 50 the uh, past couple weeks. Nice And, uh, and yeah, just that last day on, uh, on devil's path at like 23 miler, just like the way I had to, uh, uh, like supinate and pronate my feet to, to like catch rocks and, and logs. Uh, it was just a different stress on my knee. Uh, mm. you know, like the torque, a lot of internal and external rotation, but, uh,
0: shitload of volume. So, so mm. much volume.
1: Yeah. And it was over time. And so it right. was just, uh, you know, I had to get out of there, so no way around it had to get it done.
0: Yeah, my knees <laughs> didn't like it too
1: much. Luckily, I had some King Buddha CBD cream to rub on it, and nope. that hooked that you up. Made feel good. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. Got, disc- uh, got discount code. Shout out to them. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, did you get all inflamed? Were you all were you all blown up? Were your knees?
1: Actually, no. They weren't really. Uh, they weren't really inflamed. They they just ached. They just ached a little bit. And what was interesting about it is I went out for uh, a run because I just wanted to get the juices flowing, and the run actually felt really good. What didn't feel good was after they kind of cooled down and like stiffened up, and maybe I'd go in for a squat or like go down the uh-huh. and just uh yeah, like like lateral under the patella, just got a little stressed out. But doing uh, doing some mobility has definitely made it feel better. They feel great now. They feel great now. Good. I'm just taking it easy because I realized I got my season started pretty. I was ready to really rock, you know. So I figured, okay, I'm gonna take a good a good down week. My whoops saying that I'm practically peaking. So, right. so yeah, it's Definitely. time to, it's time to go run like a fast 5k. I think I'll do that. Like in the next week,
0: you should just to yeah. test it, see where you're at mm-hmm. after and, and just seeing where it's at after just doing higher volume. Cause really you weren't doing too much. Were you doing much speed work? Not, not usually like going into high rocks in December. I, I did a bunch oh. of speed work and
1: that actually that paid off pretty well. It was kind of, kind of funny. I, I like peaked for high rocks and then. Kind of just <laughs> had a bit too, had a really funny race. I uh, I messed myself up by like skipping up the uh, too
0: many carbs, in that brain brain broke. Dude, brain broke in that one. <laughs> too glycolytic for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I messed up that race. But like performance wise, I was pretty hyped there. So my down season was really just like cut volume down a little bit. I didn't really take a lot of time off, just because like last year uh, I didn't put in as much work as I. Could have so I didn't really like really even come close to overtraining last year so I felt pretty good just continuing the volume going into this year but yeah
0: nice
1: yeah I never really took too much time off so I'm I'm feeling really good at where I'm at right now and like whatever happens with the season I'm ready for it
0: yeah and, the, and you're you're a good spot to build back up right like you took that downtime you built up hit hit a goal like you you're essentially kind of doing what I'm planning on doing like you built up had something to hit now you're gonna come and I brought it down and now you're ready to kind of build build things back up. And be ready to race whenever that's going to happen. Who knows? Yep, this week I'm going to go run a uh,
1: I'm going to go what'd you run? 1517. 15,
0: 1517. Yeah, I'm going to do 1516. So. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Rollerblades with roller blades with rollerblades on. Rollerblades, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of time to rollerblade. <laughs> Good stuff, um, man. Sweet dude. Yep. So, super fun. Awesome info. We'll touch back back. Um, so yeah, make sure to hit us with some questions. We'll take on one listener question per week so we can really give you some good insight on it and then we'll just talk about the stuff we want to talk about because that's just how we're going to roll (laughs) all right bro we'll talk about rollerblading again we'll double back on the rollerblade training because we want to make sure that people know how the rollerblades are are really going to produce results
1: (laughs) everybody you're awesome
0: all right we'll see y'all